Hey everyone, and thanks for listening into my podcast again this week. I'm so happy to have you join me today. We're going to get into the Word of God, the teaching of the Word of God, and we're going to study more about the subject of the Holy Ghost and His work in and through our lives. And, you know, I always love teaching this subject. It never gets old. It never gets tiring because these are eternal subjects that we're talking about. The things of God and the Word of God is eternal. And that means we're going to be studying these things and looking at these things for eternity. And they'll never get old. It'll take eternity just to find out all about God, who He is, and what He's done, and all about His Word. I mean, it's just we're never going to come to the end of it, guys. We're never going to come to the end of all that God is. And there's so much in the Word. This subject is so broad, and we have a lot of ground to cover. And, you know, sometimes I just say to the Lord, there's so much to talk about, so much to teach. And, you know, how are we going to get this message out? I'll say that to him sometimes. But more and more, the word is getting out. The message is getting out. And this podcast is another great way we can do that. So we've been talking about the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost baptism with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And we talked last week about the 11 different reasons why you should speak with other tongues, the purpose for speaking with tongues, the reasons why you should pray in the Spirit every single day. Eleven reasons. And if you didn't listen to that, you can go back on this podcast and look at that message. It was great teaching. But we're going to talk more today about it. But this time I want to address some misconceptions that the church has today about tongues and speaking with other tongues. There's a lot of misconceptions out there in the church today about this subject. And, you know, misconceptions come as a result of ignorance. They come as a result of lack of understanding. Misconceptions and and misunderstandings only are found in a place where they haven't been taught the word. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Verse 1, he said, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant, or I don't want you to be ignorant. And, you know, a lot of times we think that that's talking about just the gifts of the Spirit. But really, if you look at that verse and study it out, you look at that word gifts. In the King James Bible, it is italicized, which means that it was added by the translator for clarity. And so it was not in the original text. And so actually, if you study that verse and its original meaning, what Paul was actually saying was, now concerning spiritual or spirituals, plural, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. That's how that verse actually reads. Concerning spirituals, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Well, if you look up that word spirituals, it literally means things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost. Things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost. So what was Paul saying there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1? He was saying, concerning things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Or I, you don't need to be ignorant. Things of and pertaining to the Holy Ghost. Well, we know that tongues is something that pertains to the Holy Ghost, right? Because when you're filled with the Spirit, according to what the Word says, And I'm not giving my own opinion right now. I'm telling you what the Word says. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you will speak with other tongues. That is the evidence that you have been filled. People go around thinking that you can be filled without speaking with tongues. Or that just because you didn't speak with tongues doesn't mean you're not filled. Well, that's not true according to the Bible. We looked at that in weeks gone by. And so when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you speak with other tongues. That is something that pertains to the Holy Ghost, right? And we ought not to be ignorant of that. But see, there's a lot of misconceptions going around the body of Christ today and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today about this subject. And when people have misconceptions, they just stay away from it. When they don't understand something, they just avoid it. Or they don't want to, you know, enter into it like they should. But no, if the Bible is talking about it and the Word talks about something, we see something from the Word of God, we ought to go to the Lord and ask Him to show us what it is and what it means. And you heard me tell the story before about my grandma, how she had a friend who was a Pentecostal lady, 
And she could tell that there was something different about this lady. And my, at the time, my grandma was Baptist. Um, and this lady was Pentecostal. She was friends with her. And she's like, there's something different about this lady. And so she went to the Lord about it. And she's like, Lord, what about this tongues business? What is it that she's got? Is there any truth to this subject? And, you know, what a wise lady to go to the Lord and ask him. Instead of going and asking a person who doesn't know anything about it, go to the Lord and ask him, is there any truth to this? Lord, what about this? And I believe if Christians would just go to the Lord more and be led by the Spirit of God, then they wouldn't need to go to counseling all the time. They wouldn't need to go and try to get a bunch of man's opinions and man's ideas. We could avoid a lot of stupid stuff if we would just be led by the Spirit of God. We could avoid a lot of counseling if we'd just be led by the Spirit of God and let the teacher teach us. Did you hear what I said? Let the teacher teach us. The Holy Ghost is our teacher. He's the Spirit of truth. Remember what Jesus said when the Comforter has come? John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 26. When the Comforter has come, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance whatsoever I've said to you. So what is part of his ministry to the body of Christ and to the believer? Part of his ministry, part of what he does, his purpose is to teach us and to bring to our remembrance whatsoever Jesus has said. He's a teacher and he's the greatest teacher. He enables others to teach. He enables me to teach. He is the teacher. And so if we look to the teacher, we'll find our answers. We'll find revelation. And God has more for us. Amen. And so there's a lot of misconceptions out there about tongues today, guys. We're going to address one of them in specific today. And this misconception has gone around for a long time. And here it is. The misconception that tongues are not for everyone. The misconception that tongues aren't for everyone. People in the body of Christ think sometimes that tongues doesn't belong to everyone and that it doesn't apply to everyone. Not everyone can receive the the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And that's a misconception. It's not true according to the word of God. I had an individual one time talk to me about this. It was after a church service on a Wednesday night and a guy came up to me and said, hey, I got a friend that has some questions about the Holy Ghost. Would you talk to him? And I said, absolutely. And so we went into the church office and sat down and this guy started to tell me what he had thought and what he his opinions were. And he really didn't have any questions at all, honestly. He just wanted to give me his opinion. But as we sat there talking, he just kept going on and on and on, spouting out all this different stuff that he thought and things that he had figured out and things that he had learned and not one of the things he said lined up with the word of God. He kept trying to prove that tongues wasn't for everyone. Not everyone could be filled and that it wasn't even for us. And, you know, I just, after, you know, we talked for probably two hours just going back and forth. And finally I had to stop him and just say, you know what? You're telling me that this isn't for us today, that this isn't something that believers can have today it's, or that it's not for everyone, you're telling somebody who has been filled and had that experience, that Bible experience, that it's not so. But you yourself have never actually been filled. You've never, you've never experienced what the Bible has to say about being filled. And so to tell me that it's not so, telling somebody who has been filled that it's not so, is just blatant ignorance. And furthermore, I told him, the scripture says that he who judges a matter before he hears it is a fool. And so if you really don't know something, you ought not to be talking about it and, and giving your opinion on it. No, I said, I have received the Holy Ghost. I have been filled and spoken with other tongues. I can tell you that I have had that Bible experience and I can tell you that it is so. Well, and you know, he didn't really know what to say to that. But see, people come walk around with these misconceptions, with these ideas and they think they're authorities on the subject when they're really not. They're not. If you're not giving what the Word has to say about it, if you're not telling people what the Word has to say, then you're not an authority on it. You're not giving anything of real meaning. You're just giving your own ideas, your own opinions. Well, your opinion could be wrong. 
Because if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it is wrong. The word of God is truth, Jesus said in John 17, 17. Thy word is truth, he said. And so the misconception that tongues isn't for everyone is not so. It's that, it's that very thing. It is a misconception. Speaking with tongues is not the infilling of the Holy Ghost, but is the infilling of the Holy Ghost not speaking with tongues. But they go hand in hand. So what do I mean by that? When you receive the Holy, when you receive this gift from the Father, you're not receiving tongues. You're receiving the Holy Ghost. You receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. So it's not about receiving the gift of tongues. It's not about receiving the gift of tongues because that's not what we're receiving when we're filled. We receive the Holy Ghost and as a result, we're receiving of receiving him, the third person of the Godhead, tongues comes as a result of that. It is the evidence that we have been filled with the Spirit of God. So see, people think that it's a gift that some Christians have and some Christians don't have. But really, that's not what the Word teaches. The, t- the Word teaches that we receive the Holy Ghost, the person, the third person of the Godhead, and then tongues follow that. It's the evidence that you have received him in his fullness. Amen. Now I want you to turn your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's look at the 27th verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, looking at verse 27. And I'm going to look at this verse because this is a verse a lot of times that Christians will use to explain why they think tongues isn't for everyone. But we're going to address it, okay, today. We're going to look at this and study it out. Verse 27, 1 Corinthians 12, says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. Or that word diversity there literally means different kinds of tongues. And then verse, verse 29 says, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Well, what is Paul saying here? First, he's breaking down and said, Look, you're the body of Christ, your members in particular, and there's different giftings and different graces and different anointings in the body of Christ, right? And he said that God hath set some in the church, and he points that out. He lists off what God has set or established in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 29, he asks a question, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? And he lists, and he goes on, and he gets to the end, and he says, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? And so, obviously, the answer to the question is, no, we're not all the same. Not every one of us is going to be a prophet of God. Not every one of us is going to teach. Not every one of us is going to have working of miracles in our life or the gifts of healings. And so, it stands to reason, no, not all are going to be speaking with tongues and interpret. Not all do speak with tongues and do interpret. But, what are we looking at here? We're looking at the context of what Paul was saying in that scripture. Because see, people say right there, see, not everyone speaks with tongues. Not everyone interprets. But really, what is Paul talking about here? If you look at the context of what he's saying, you go back to the seventh verse of chapter 12. It talks about the manifestation of the Spirit. The manifestation of the Spirit. Paul was talking about the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost manifests, he goes on to show us these things will take place. And one of the ways in which he manifests is through tongues with interpretation. And in the context of that, he's talking about the manifestation of the Spirit. He is not talking about speaking in an unknown tongue unto God. He's not talking about praying in the Spirit. Two different entire things. Because, see, 
being filled with the Spirit and praying or speaking in other tongues is what we do before God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, it says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. See? And so there's a difference between being filled with the Spirit and speaking with other tongues or having a prayer language before God where you speak unto God and not unto man, like Paul said. There's a difference between that and having tongues with interpretation, which is what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 30. He said, do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Well, obviously the question, the answer to the question is no, but that when he said that, he was talking about the gift of tongues with interpretation or the manifestation of tongues with interpretation in public setting. In other words, when we get together as the body of Christ, one of the ways in which the Holy Ghost manifests himself is through tongues with interpretation. Where somebody is used along those lines to speak out a word in tongues and then interpret what was just said now it's while we're on this subject i'll just say this and throw this in that it's not a word for word translation of tongues paul didn't say that you speak with tongues and then have a translation of what was just said no it's not a word for word translation it's interpretation you speak with tongues and then interpret what was said. And so that's why oftentimes a word in tongues can be a lot longer or a lot shorter than the interpretation because it's not word for word translation, it's interpretation. And there are different kinds of tongues and then there is the interpretation of tongues. Now I've seen some that were used in the gift of tongues and they spoke out in tongues only. And then another person would get up and interpret what was just said. I've seen some that they spoke out a word in tongues and then also interpreted what was said. So there's, there's a difference there. And there's different ways in which the Lord uses people. But everything that we're talking about right here is a public ministry of tongues. Not your prayer language. And see, people say, well, tongues isn't for everyone because Paul said, do you all speak with tongues? tongues do all interpret? He asked that question. Well, no, not everyone will have that public ministry of tongues, but every single believer can be filled and have the evidence of tongues, which is their prayer language before God. See, tongues in your private life, where you speak unto God, and then having the gift of tongues, where you speak out and interpret that that is public ministry, those are two separate things, entirely different. And this is something, this is one of those misconceptions like we were talking about where people think, you know, not everyone can speak with tongues. But they, they, if you look a little deeper, you'll see what Paul was actually saying there. No, every single believer is called to be filled and called to pray in tongues and speak in an unknown tongue unto God. Your, in your private life. But then there are those that are used by God to in a public ministry of tongues with interpretation. And if you've been around Pentecostal churches, you'll see that take place. You know, tongues is distinctive of this dispensation. It's distinctive of this time that we're living in. In the Old Testament, they didn't have tongues with interpretation. There was no gift of tongues with interpretation. There are nine gifts of the Spirit or nine manifestations of the Spirit. But in the Old Testament, they only had seven of them in operation. They only had seven of the, of the gifts of the Spirit in operation in the Old Testament. But when we come over into the New Testament in a new time, we see where... Tongues was added to the children of God. Tongues was added to the church. And the interpretation of tongues was added to the church. Now somebody said, well, I don't need to speak with tongues. Jesus didn't speak with tongues, so why should I? But no, he said that we would. Jesus said that we would. 
See, Jesus was still, when he came, he was still operating under the old covenant until the time when he went to the cross, died, rose again from the dead, and ascended on high. We enter into a new dispensation or a new time at that point. When he rose from the dead, that is when we entered into a new time, a new dispensation. And so Jesus did not speak with tongues because he was still operating under the Old Testament while he walked the earth. But he told us that we would speak with tongues. You remember in Mark 16, 15, the scripture says, well, he first of all says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every living creature. He jumps on down and says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Notice, in my name, they shall speak with new tongues. They shall speak with new tongues. Go back and look at it. They shall speak with new tongues. So Jesus didn't speak with tongues, but he said we would. He was pointing towards the time, this dispensation, when we would. And so tongues is distinctive of this dispensation. And we see the moment that the church is established in the book of Acts. And in Acts 2-4, when the Holy Ghost comes, believers are filled. He comes upon them and they speak with tongues, don't they? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, Acts 2-4, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And from that point on, tongues is a part of the life of every single believer. Tongues became a part of the church. This dispensation, tongues and interpretation of tongues came with this dispensation. And so you have to understand that when we're talking about this, that this is something that is for every single one of us. Being filled and speaking with other tongues unto God in your private life is something that is for every single one of us. But what Paul said in the 12th chapter, not everyone will be used in the gift of tongues with interpretation. And basically, not everyone will be used in a public setting or have a public ministry of speaking with other tongues and having interpretation. There is a difference, you see. And so this is a misconception that needs to be cleared up in the body of Christ because all can be filled and all can pray to God in the spirit. Remember what uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, likewise, the spirit helpeth our infirmities for we know not what to notice pray for as we ought. But the Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession, notice, for the saints according to the will of God. It didn't say he makes intercession for the select few. It didn't say he made intercession for just some of the saints. No, he said he makes intercession for all. See, talking about when you're filled and you pray in tongues, it's for all of us. He makes intercession for all saints, according to the will of God. He's talking about being filled and having a prayer language unto God. Another scripture that we could look at that goes along these lines is in Ephesians chapter 6 and the 19th verse. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. Or I'm sorry, in the 18th verse. Paul said in Ephesians 5, or Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication, notice, for all saints. Now, if you look up this verse in the Greek concordance, you study this verse out, it says literally, praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. The amplified translation of this verse says, with all kinds of prayer and supplication, being led by the Spirit. And so we see here, all kinds of prayer being led by the Spirit. Well, tongues is a type of prayer, one kind of prayer that every believer ought to have in their arsenal, so to speak, or ought to have in their life. 
And notice that Ephesians wasn't written just just a select few or just to some people, but it was written to the whole church. And Paul said to the whole church, praying always with all kinds of prayer. Well, one kind of prayer that's written and talked about in the word of God is tongues or praying in tongues. And so therefore, it has to be for everybody because it was written to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, all kinds. Well, tongues is one of those kinds. Hallelujah. And the Amplified says, being led by the Spirit. See, because the Spirit of God wants to lead us in our prayer life. He wants to lead us when we pray and lead us into the perfect will of God for our lives. And, you know, it's we can pray out our own will. We can pray out our own desires. We can ask God for things and ask God if we can do things. But if we really want to be blessed, if we really want to have the fullness of what God has for us, experience all that he has for us, if we really want to have the best life, then we have to pray out according to his will, the perfect will of God. And the way that we pray according to the perfect will of God is to pray in the spirit. Because remember what Paul said in Romans 8, 26, the spirit maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God according to the will of God. And notice he went on to say, all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You know, people say, they take that verse and they isolate it and they say, well, see there, everything's going to work out for my good. All things are going to work out for good to, because I love God and because I'm called and all this other stuff. And they take it out of context because actually what Paul was saying was, all things work together for your good according to the will of God, to them who are the called and to who love him, but who also pray in the Spirit and pray out the will of God and let the Holy Ghost intercede for them. So you can't isolate that verse and just say, well, all things are going to work together for my good no matter what, just because I love God. No, all things work together for good according to his will because you're praying according to his will. And Christians especially spirit-filled ones, those who have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, who have been filled with the Spirit, they need to be praying out the will of God for their life every single day, consecrating their life in the Spirit, committing their life to the Lord, and praying out the will of God for them. Because, see, it's not my will that should be accomplished. It's His will that should be done. If we'll do what He wants, if we'll give Him our lives and pray out according to His will then he'll give us a better life than we ever thought was possible. He'll give us new things that we never thought were ever possible. He'll give us dreams and visions from him that are just so much beyond our own ideas, our own limited thinking. But the way we get there, guys, the way we go deeper in the things of God and experience his best is to pray according to the will of God in the Spirit. And that is exactly why this is for everyone. That is exactly why tongues is for the body of Christ. Because it is in your private life, in your prayer life, that we speak unto God and pray out the mysteries of heaven. And then, for those that are called and used of God, you can use this in your public ministry. You may be used by God to say a word in tongues and then interpret. So there's those two things. Guys, I hope this meant something to you. I know that I love teaching the Word of God. We're going to look more next week at some other stuff. But we're slowly and surely gaining ground and building a foundation. Amen. And it's a foundation of the Word of God. On the Word of God. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, YouTube. You can listen to this podcast every Friday. And you can get on our website, stephenoverbod.com, and see the latest events and meetings that are coming up. So follow us and enjoy all the things that we've provided for you. And we'll see you next time on this podcast. Be blessed and have a great day. Hey, everyone, and thanks for tuning into my podcast once again. It's such a pleasure to have you with me. We are talking about the Holy Ghost and his work in and through the life of every single believer. And, you know, this subject, like I said before, is such a broad subject. It takes a lot to cover it all. And so we're going to talk more about it and just keep chipping away at it and continue to build on the foundation that we have. Amen. 
And so last week we were just talking about some misconceptions about the Holy Ghost and things that people have um, believed about this, about him and his work. They begin to think along a certain line and it's not always in line with the word of God. And, you know, that happens a lot of times with people. They, they develop these ideas. They, they adopt these ideas in their life and these beliefs in their life that just are contrary to the word of God. And it's always important that we check up on our beliefs and check up on what we're thinking and check up on how we're living our life and make sure that it's being done according to the word of God. Check up on your beliefs and challenge your beliefs with the word of God. Make sure that you're actually living and walking according to what the word of God has to say. You know, Jesus said in John 8, 31, 32, he said, if you're my disciples, you shall continue in my word and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. He said that to disciples who believed on him, the scripture said. They, the, he said it to the ones that believed on him. He said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so that scripture right there tells us that whether or not we're going to be free and walk in the victory is more dependent on us than it is on God. Because see, it's more dependent on what you do with his word. It's what you do with what he's given you. Because you notice there in the scripture, he uses the word you four times. He said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So four times he says the word you. Four times. And you know, people don't always want to take responsibility uh, in their life for for things like they should. But you know what? In the whether or not we're going to be free, whether or not we're going to walk in the light is more dependent on us than it is on God because God has given us everything we need. Can you say amen? And so we need to continue in his word. We need to continue in his truth. You know, these are trying times. These are difficult times that we're living in. The scripture says that the enemy shall come down with great wrath in these last last days. Well, he's coming down to deceive the hearts of many. He's coming down to steal, kill, and destroy. He's coming down to, to, to hinder what God is trying to do in these last days. You know, for everything that God is doing, the enemy always has a counterfeit, doesn't he? He always brings something against the, the plan and the purpose of God. And if we're not careful, we can slip into deception. We can slip into, into darkness if we're not careful, if we're not watchful, if we're not paying attention and taking heed to the word of God. And the way that we avoid deception and avoid being self-deceived and avoid the darkness is to walk in the light to walk in the light. And so if you have your Bibles, turn on over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, let's look at what the Word has to say about this. Ephesians chapter 5. And let's look at, let's look at the first verse. It says, There be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication, all uncleanness, or covetousness, let it not be named once among you, as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks." For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you, verse 6, with vain words. Because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. That word disobedience there literally means unbelief. And I'm reading from a King James Bible. Um, I love the King James Translation. Just throw this in for free because it's the closest translation to the original text. And I'd just remind you and admonish you to be careful that you not just study after any translation because a lot of times they're not even translations, they're just paraphrases. And there are a lot of translations out there that they get away from what the original meaning of the word was. So we need to be careful that we 
we follow after the original text of what the Word of God says. Because if, if they're, you're reading a translation and you're getting a ton of just feely, touchy information out of it, so to speak, if you're all you're getting out of it is this these feelings and this touchiness out of it and there's no faith involved in it there's no strength in the word there's no you know just boldness in the word then there's something wrong with that uh translation you know a lot of these translations say they are based on feelings they do focus on emotions and the feelings and and a lot of translations promote sovereignty the sovereignty of god which is not in line with the word of God, not in line with who God is, the character of God, the the nature of God, these things. And, you know, we need to make sure that we are watchful of the translations that we study under, because, you know, I'll just say this, there's a lot of translations out there today that were started wrong and started by wrong people. And the motive and the intention of the translators and the people that wrote these uh, different translations, modern translations, was not right. And so we need to be careful about that. We need to make sure that we're reading after the the true, uncompromised Word of God. Amen. And so I'm not saying that every translation is bad. I'm just saying we need to make sure that that what's being said and what we're reading after is full of faith, is full of the victory, is full of the light, and, and and doesn't take away from the Holy Ghost and His work in our life. See, there's a lot of translations out there that that um, diminish the Holy Ghost or uh, lighten, so to speak, who He is in our life instead of boldly saying who He is. You know, some translations they don't talk about sin like they should. They they kind of just candy coat it or they avoid it. Some translations take certain verses out of the Bible. And so I just, I don't know why I'm on that, but you know, it's important that we watch out for the translations that we study after and read after. But anyways, he says here in Ephesians 5, and we're looking at now verse 7, he says, Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Partakers of who? People who are full of doubt and unbelief. Children of disobedience, like the scripture says. He says, don't let them deceive you with vain words. Well, who is Paul writing to? He's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. Well, is it possible for believers to be deceived with vain words? Is it possible for them to walk in the darkness? Yes. Yes, believers can and do walk in darkness. And the way they do that is by choice. They walk in darkness and associate with darkness by choice. And like I've said before, you know, self-deception is a really hard thing to cure. Self-deception is is difficult to fix because you've allowed it to creep into your life. You you allow it. You you've chosen it. And in you know, if you get settled in it and it just becomes rooted in you, then at it, over time it can be really difficult to to take those roots out, to rip those things out. And so it's in, it's important that we not associate and partake with people that are in darkness and in unbelief because it could lead you astray. And I know there's so many times and so many stories come to mind of people that just, they convinced themselves that what they were doing was the right thing. They convinced themselves that they were like doing what God had called them to do or that they were right before God. They convinced themselves that their behavior was okay over time. Like, you know, there was one individual that... He got away from the house of God, I'm thinking of. He was called to the ministry, called to pastor a church. And he got away over time because of hardship and trial and and, and just difficulty. And, and over time, you know, at first it was hard to get away. At first it's like, oh, what am I doing? But he, he kept insisting and kept pushing and kept staying away from the house of God, not repenting. And over time he got away so much that now today you talk to him. And he just, he thinks he's okay. He says, I'm fine. Everything's good. My family's fine. Well, but you look at his life and he's, and he's living in sin. He's doing, you know, he's not living the way he should, not in the house of God, making excuses. And, you know, that's just one person I'm thinking of. There's so many times that this happens in the body of Christ. And so it's important that we not be deceived in these last days. We not be deceived you know, Paul said to Timothy, he wrote and said, In the last days, perilous times shall come. 
perilous times means difficult times will come. Said that seducing spirits and doctrines of devils would be working in these last days. Well, and I've always said that those seducing spirits and doctrine, doctrines of devils will be working against the body of Christ. Because we know they're not working against the world to bring them into darkness because the world is already in darkness. No, they're working to bring the church into darkness, taking believers out of the light and into the darkness. And how do they do it? They do it through seduction, the seducing spirits that try to seduce you in the flesh and seduce you uh, with fleshly things. And then doctrines of devils, doctrines that are not in line with the word of God, doctrines that that are contrary to what the word of God has to say. And you know, something that's deceptive is not designed to look, it's not going to look evil and dark out in the open. You know, like I say, the devil doesn't come with a black cape, a pitchfork and horns, you know, to try to deceive you. No, he comes seductively. He comes to deceive and, you know, deception will oftentimes look right. It'll oftentimes seem good. Things that are of the enemy don't come. Just knock on your door and try to come out obviously or just come out and just look like they're so bad. You know, they're, they're going to come to make themselves look like it's okay. And, you know, it's just a little bit of compromise here and there. It's a little bit of, of compromise in one place. And then you start to compromise in another place. And then before long, you're walking on a completely different path than the path that the Lord had planned for you and has for you. And that's the path of righteousness. Amen. And so seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, they'll be working in the church, in the world in these last days, coming against the church of the living God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to try to bring them off. And that's what we need to be watchful for. Amen. But now look at we're in Ephesians chapter five. We'll keep on looking here. And verse 8, this is what we're talking about. Verse 8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, or at one time you were darkness. But now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, the scripture says. Walk as children of light. Because he says you are light in the Lord. So we know, according to the scripture, 1 John chapter 1 talks about how God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. James chapter uh, 1 and 2 talks about how every gift, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variable, neither shadow of turning. So we know God is light. We know God is the light. We know that's who he is. It's part of his nature. God is love. Well, the scripture also says God is light. John, the Gospel of John chapter 1 talks about that too. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So we know that God is light. But then the scripture also says that we are light. That we are light in the Lord, and we're to, we're called to walk as children of the light. Well, in order to walk as children of the light, we have to walk in the light that He's given us, the na- and live out of the nature of who we are in Him, but also live out of the light that's found in His Word. Psalms chapter one verse nine, Psalms one hundred nineteen verse one hundred five says, "Your word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path." And then another, the same 119 verse 130 says, The entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. And so we see light is here. It's available to the people of God, the children of God. It's available to the believer. And, you know, believers don't have to walk in darkness. They don't have to walk in deception. They don't have to walk in confusion. They don't have to walk in in another path other than the path of righteousness. They can live and walk in the victory and walk in the light every single day of their life if they choose it. If they continue in the word, like we talked about earlier in John 8. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know 
the truth. Well, when Jesus said, you shall know the truth, doesn't that sound like light? Because if you know the truth, then you're not wondering at all. You're not confused about the truth. You're not questioning what the truth is. You're not trying to find the truth. No, the scripture says if you continue in the word, then you'll know it. Sounds like light to me. You know, I was I was uh, in my house one time. Me and my family were hanging out, and my dad had lost his cell phone. And he was trying to find it, couldn't find it. You know how it is. You lose your cell phone. You tell other family members or other friends, you know, hey, call my phone so we can find it. And so you call the phone and... He said, oh, my vibrating or my ringer's off and my, my the vibrating part of my phone is off. I can't. And so we won't be able to hear it. And so we said we had this great idea. Let's turn off all the lights in the house. And let's see once we call the phone, if the screen will light up, if we'll be able to see it. And so we decided to turn off all the lights in our house and we decided to call his phone and see if we could find it. Well, we're walking around the house me my and my family and I walk in the living room and we have this big old ottoman or used to have this big ottoman right in the middle of the floor and um, put your legs on it and everything well I'm walking through the living room wasn't thinking about it at all had forgotten about the ottoman and it was a pitch black room and all of a sudden I run into that ottoman hit my toe really hard and roll over that ottoman onto the floor and hit my back on the floor just flop down on the floor just just as fast as you could blink your eyes i'm just like walking along and all of a sudden hit that ottoman and just flip over onto the floor and you know that surprised me and it hurt really bad and you know my sister and my other family that we they saw me and they started laughing at me and everything and you know the reason i fell over was because i was couldn't see because i was in the, a dark room and because i couldn't see well you know i think that's how it is a lot of times spiritually for christians the light is available to them, but they're walking in the dark by choice. And so as a result, they're hitting their toe spiritually and falling over on their on the ground. They're, they're falling down spiritually. They're tripping up spiritually all the time because they're walking in darkness. And they're, they're associating with darkness through association with people and through association with other things. They're feeding on the wrong things rather than feeding on the Word of God. And as a result, they are deceived. And it's not God's intention that his children be deceived. No, it's his intention and his desire and his plan that we walk in the light. And so notice in verse 8, it said, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now I want you to jump on down to the 13th verse, Ephesians 5, 13. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Walk then, or see then that you walk circumspectly, that's a King James word, literally means cautiously, not as fools but as wives, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And we all know the days are evil, right? And we ought not to be fooling around in these days. But we ought to be getting back to the what we know and learn, have learned and been assured of. Continuing the basics of the word. You know, we don't need to go out and find new things. We don't have to go out and find the latest and the greatest. We need to stick with what we know. We need to stick with the truth. What we've been taught. Remember what Paul said to Timothy. But as from a child, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise. Well, these things are steady things. These are things we must continue in. They'll keep us steady in the hard place. The answer today is the same answer that it was in our yesterdays and in years gone by. It's the word of God that's the answer. And the word of God says that the days are evil. In verse 17 it says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of God is, of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, if you look up that phrase, be filled with the Spirit, if you look it up in your Greek concordance or study that word out, it literally means, but be being filled. There's a play on that word that means, but be being filled. In other words, maintain a constant experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost. I like to say, just stay full. Stay filled. Stay full of the Spirit of God. Be not drunk with wine, but be being filled. Continue to be filled with the Spirit of God. Continue to be filled. 
Don't let yourself dry out. Don't let yourself uh, get empty, but be filled and maintain that constant experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost. And how is that going to help us? Well, when we're full of the Holy Ghost, we're full of God, we're full of his anointing and his presence, and we stir up the gift of God in us, it causes us to walk in a power and in a boldness in these evil days. It causes us to live free of the contaminants of this world. It causes us to live free of these dark places and things in the world. Be being filled with the Spirit of God. Be being filled with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And there's a call to the church to get filled with His Spirit and to stay full in these last days. Amen. The scripture goes on to say, Speak into yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. We don't have time to teach on it today. We'll get on it next time. But basically, guys, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, there are going to be characteristics of the Spirit-filled life. There are going to be things that follow the Spirit-filled life. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you're going to begin to flow supernaturally. You're going to begin to flow in the Spirit. And the Scripture talks about the characteristics of the Spirit-filled life. Speaking to yourselves in your personal life, in psalms and in hymns and spiritual songs. These are not songs that you find in a hymnal. These are not words that you can read off a page. But these are songs and hymns and, and spiritual songs that come out of your heart. And you sing and make melody to the Lord. It comes up out of your spirit. It flows up out of your heart unto the Lord. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, he said that I will sing in the spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. I will speak in the spirit. I will speak with the understanding or pray in the spirit and pray with the understanding also. But he said sing in the spirit and sing with the understanding also. Well see this utterance that comes up about our spirit. It's divinely inspired utterance that comes from the Holy Ghost. As you're filled with him, he begins to flow up out of you and you bless the Lord. You give thanks. You worship the Lord. You, you begin to magnify God in your life and it takes you farther. It takes you deeper. It takes you to, to, to new veins in the spirit of God, new veins in the Lord, deeper dimensions in the Lord. Amen. Glory be to God. And this is how we live. This is how we're supposed to live. We're called to live the supernatural life. Hallelujah. Victory and blessing and purpose for our life. Can you say amen? Guys, we're going to get into it more next week, but I hope this has been a blessing to you. Remember, you can follow uh, Stephen Overbaugh Ministries on Facebook and on YouTube. You can go on our website, stephenoverbaugh.com. It's such a pleasure to have you join me week after week, and I love teaching the Word of God. Thanks, and we will see you next time, next Friday, and have a great blessed day.